This is better, right? Okay. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's my privilege to be here this morning to um, share with you about sound as we continue in our Advent series. Um, let's open in prayer. Gracious God, thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, thank you that um, somewhere along the way, the church decided that we needed a time of preparation before we celebrate Christmas. And so now as we prepare our hearts and listen for your words to us, I pray that we would be open-hearted. God, I pray that my words would not get in the way of your people hearing what you want them to hear this morning. God, we give you the glory for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I live in Lake Forest Park, which is at the north end of Lake Washington, and um, most mornings, on a good week anyway, I try to get out and walk around, um, just kind of around where I live. I walk or I run, mostly walk these days. And as I was preparing for preaching this morning, and I knew I was going to be preaching on the idea of sound, I decided to take my earbuds out and not listen to music or a podcast or a sermon from a colleague and just listen to the sounds around me and see what happened. So the first morning, um, I, well, of course, every day I would hear the swish swish of my raincoat. Um, I would hear the cars coming closer and then going away, just kind of the normal sounds of um, the morning at about 6.30 and the cars in the distance as people are on their way to work in that. Those were the normal, everyday, familiar sounds that were there. But the first day, something happened. As I was getting closer to home, I passed two people, two other people that were also out walking. Now these are people who I have passed for years. We're talking years and years. I've lived, we've lived in the same house for a long time. And so of course, these are the same people that are out walking at the same time I am. But for the first time, instead of just seeing them mouth the words good morning and me say good morning back to them, I actually heard their voice for the first time. And there was just kind of this significant moment of connection of here are these people I've walked past every day and yet never heard their voice. And now that I have, there's that more of that sense of camaraderie as those early morning walkers. So that was the first day. The second day, I did the same thing, I came back I was, I, there's a reservoir up on the hill in Lake Forest Park, and as I walked around it, um, nothing unusual was happening. And then I walked past this house, and I was about eight feet from the fence, and all of a sudden, this dog just started barking and just completely shook me and startled me and, of course, sent adrenaline running through my, through my whole body. And... Um, and so the quietness that I was ex experiencing as I was actually praying for this morning was just completely disrupted by this barking dog. And, um, and so that was the second day that's what happened. The third day, as I was out there, I began hearing Jesus actually talking to me. He talked to me about kind of nudging me to maybe have a hard conversation with someone so that I could advocate for another. 
And as I looked up at the sky, how big and large it was, I remembered in Psalm 8 where, where um, David says, when I look at all the work, your handiwork, what is it that you even care about me? And yet I heard God saying, I do care about you. I care about what you do with your time. I care about the people that you care about even more than you do. And so that third day was the time of me just hearing what Jesus had to say to me that day. Now, if I had had earbuds in those three days, I wouldn't have heard the voices of my fellow walkers. I wouldn't have been startled by the dog because it would probably have been muffled and it wouldn't have phased me at all. And if I'd had the earbuds in that last day, I would have been distracted and I probably wouldn't have heard what Jesus wanted to say to me, to comfort me and to direct me. So today we are talking about hearing and how in the midst of our familiar context, among familiar noises or even a familiar silence, God invites us to encounter him and by responding to that invitation with a yes, we can be transformed. And so if you follow along in the, um, on the sermon notes, um, the, first, um, the first point is that the story that we talk about this morning is filled with sounds. The scripture reading was wonderful as we added um, this, the kind of the background sounds to kind of fill it out. First of all, there's sounds in this story that connect us in new ways, that connect Mary and Joseph in new ways. And so let's look at Mary and Joseph. We're just looking at Luke 2 this morning, but remember that Luke, both both Joseph and Mary, had heard other, other things besides just Luke 2 that had altered their lives. Mary had heard, blessings, favored one, You will get pregnant by the Holy Spirit and will bear a son, the Savior of the world. Joseph heard, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She will bear a son, Jesus, who will save his people from their sins. From these conversations, Mary and Joseph realized that their marriage, which they had dreamed in the context of their Jewish upbringing and their Jewish tradition, would be actually lived out in the God-ordained reality, that baby in the baby carriage actually was going to come before love and marriage. In their hearing God's invitation and accepting it, what seemed like an unlikely path for these two people actually ended up being the beginning of a new kingdom where Jesus was king and God had come to live with us. And so now as we go to our text today, what did they hear? Joseph hears, you must return to your hometown. Mary and Joseph both hear, the guest room is full. Joseph hears from Mary, it's time. And Mary hears from Joseph, and of course I can only imagine this, but knowing the context, I never dreamed of being present when my wife gave, gave birth. In the solitude of the stable, with no doubt the sounds of the family animals surrounding the birth process, they shared in the gasp and groans of a woman in labor, the sounds of relief and joy when that sweet boy had been born, healthy and whole. And so they shared in the silence, 
They shared in hearing these sounds, and in hearing them together, they grew closer together. Other sounds in this passage are sounds that startle. The sounds of the wild, if you imagine the shepherds out in the fields, the bleeding sheep, the other various noises that sheep make as they settle down for the night, the sound of predators, and the shepherds knowing what a safe distance is and what an unsafe distance is and when they would need to get up and do something. This was wild. This was a wild place. And yet, for the shepherds, it was a familiar place. They knew the noises that were, that were familiar. They knew when they needed to get up and do something. But there was a familiarity to this wildness, this wilderness that they were a part of. But I think it's safe to say that at the sound of the angel's voice, they all heard something that they had never heard before out in their wild place. Accompanied by the bright lights, it was more like the barking dog that I heard, when, that I encountered, crashing in on their up to now ordinary, predictable night. So of course they startled, and they were filled with fear. And in the midst of that, they heard, do not be afraid. I'm reminded of the disciples who went out on the sea and came up against a storm. But these were fishermen, and so storms were rough for them, but they were, they were able to navigate them. That was part of being uh, a fisherman, was knowing how to navigate these storms. But then Jesus showing up, walking on the water. Now that was terrifying to them. They had no tools in their toolbox, no experiences to help them know what to do when they saw a man walking on the water towards them. And Jesus used familiar words, the similar words, as the angel used, do not be afraid. I think we can all think of those times when our normal, chaotic, maybe, but controlled chaos, it's manageable, we know, we know what we need to do, it's all there, but then we've had those times in the midst of that where something's happened and all of a sudden it feels a little more out of control. When I was 38, just the other day, in spite of having three small children, I decided that's when I needed to start training for marathons. And so um, just before my 39th birthday, I had run in two, and I was planning for my third. Um, so imagine three small children working full time, parenting with a wonderful husband, um, training for a marathon. It seems crazy as I look back on it, but for me at that time, that was totally manageable chaos. Um, but then, in the midst of that, I heard that I, I had a tumor in my neck. And that was news that we as a family were ill-equipped to handle. We could handle all the controlled chaos, but we could not handle the idea that I had a tumor and it was possibly cancer. So for us, everything changed when we heard those words, there's a mass in your cervical spine and we think it's cancer. And we needed to hear at that same time, do not be afraid, I am with you. When in the middle of controlled chaos, we need and we have those unexpected times 
when we are startled and bewildered, we need to be able to hear, do not be afraid. And so when the angel comes and delivers the news, it's as awe-inspiring as his entrance was. He says, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. The great fear that they had is replaced with great joy as they hear the angel's news. And so the angel brings sounds that bring hope and invitation and transformation. And so what did the angels hear? This messenger that lit up their quiet, wild place and filled them with fear was there to tell them the good news that would fill them instead of fear with joy. The promise of a savior born on this day, one of many routine days for the shepherds, this day was a day that would bring joy and peace. And the invitation was there for them to go and see. And the angel's invitation then ended with a worship service as many angels came and joined this one messenger in singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom God favors. And then the angels were gone. There was silence. I wonder how long the shepherds stood there looking at each other before one of them just before one of them said, "Did that just happen?" Let's go and see this thing that has taken place that the Lord has made known to us. Now, I'm sure for the shepherds, many things happened in and around them that they did not even know about. They were marginalized in their profession as shepherds, both literally out in the fields and figuratively as outcasts in the social systems And so things happened, and they never even heard about them. But how incredible that this event, the birth of the Messiah, happened, and they were the first to know about it and be invited. And so off they scurried to see this newborn king lying in, of all places, a feeding trough. And after seeing him, just as the angels had said, they could not help but be transformed from the hearers to the proclaimers, spreading the good news to anyone that would listen and leaving amazement in their wake. What are the messages that we might be missing? And why do we miss messages along the way? Well, if I go back to my three experiences again, I think... we can cast some light on why we might sometimes miss God's invitation in our lives. Maybe at times we have tuned in to the next thing we need to do or we fill up every moment with some kind of noise, music, TV, entertainment, and we miss those opportunities all around us to encounter Jesus in the voice of our friends, our family, our coworkers, and others in our lives. We get so caught up in the latest band or podcast or the latest Facebook video that we can't hear the voices of those closest to us, and we can't imagine that we might encounter God in them. Or we get so wrapped up in our own heads and our own ideas that it takes a really loud noise, like the bark of an angry dog, to grab our attention 
and then we're so mad to be interrupted that we aren't able to hear God in that circumstance. Or maybe we never allow ourselves to get to the place where we can just listen to that still, small voice inside from where the Holy Spirit dwells in us, reminding us of his love for us in spite of our relative smallness in the universe. Maybe we need to hear that he cares deeply for the things that we care about and the people that we love even more than we do. Maybe we need to hear guidance on how to navigate a step of faith, and it is in the empty silence that God desires to speak. This is the crux of the Christmas story, that Jesus came to earth as a humble, helpless baby to humble, unassuming parents, and his first visitors were humble shepherds. All of them had to hear what God invited them to, and their humility allowed them to do that. Hearing requires humility. And so let's go on to the story behind the story, as we see that the story behind the story is filled with pondering and with telling. Jesus was born into a particular time and place. There's a great significance that we can draw out as we see not just the humility of the birth of Christ in the story in and of itself, but also in the context of history that it's placed. When Jesus was born, the world at that time around where he was born was under Roman rule. The ultimate ruler was Caesar Augustus, and to his subjects, he declared himself Lord and Savior. One example of this, um, well, throughout the, throughout the world at that time, the Roman world, um, there were many inscriptions put on many different things that reminded people that Caesar Augustus was, save, was their Lord and Savior. One example was... Um, was in a key seaport as people would come in and out as they did their trade. And it said, Divine Augustus Caesar, son of a god, imperator of land and sea, the benefactor and savior of the whole world. I don't think he had an ego problem. Power was held by him in Rome and flowed out from his position through leaders that he assigned who were really puppets in his hand, only doing what he told them to do. What little power and prestige was left over after, um, after Caesar, after what Caesar took, um, it was held by those who lived in cities and they had to be also born in the right family. So back then your status and even your economic well-being was tied directly to the family you were born into. So after cities came small towns, and after small towns came the outskirts of the town. If you lived in a small town and worked the crops, there was no expectation that you or your offspring would do anything differently. And then to the shepherds, even further outside the town, there was to be, they were some of the most marginalized people of the society. And so this is the context that Jesus was born into. 
far from Rome, far from any urban area, far from human power and prestige. The ushering in of Christ's kingdom then is paralleled at that time with the rise of the empirical power of Rome. But the playing out of these two kingdoms diverges very quickly in the way, in the way that Jesus invites all to himself, beginning with the outcast shepherds. They never expected to hear an invitation like this, and they needed to hear it before they could respond. They were invited to come and witness the ushering in of a new kingdom, and they accepted and came and were forever changed. This is what I love about the kingdom of God. Its king was born of a humble peasant girl who married a humble peasant carpenter. The first to hear the news were humble shepherds, invited to come and worship, and then be the first voice, the first proclaimers of the newborn king. And I love that today, the work of the kingdom is done by people who hear God's voice and accept his invitation to come and to meet him and to tell others. Rank means nothing in the kingdom of God. The economy of Christ's kingdom is that the first will be last and the last will be first. And if you want to be great, be a servant. That is the kingdom that we are a part of as followers of Christ. And that is the kingdom that Jesus is inviting us to when we lean in to hear him. So what does this mean for us today during this Advent season as we remember when our Lord and Savior first came? Does hearing really become listening I don't think it comes automatically. <clears throat> At Christmas time, we hear the same stories every year, and there's a familiarity with them. And I think sometimes as pastors, we try to come up with a new twist that makes it interesting or different. But the idea is really they are the same stories that we tell over and over again during Advent. And I think also during Advent, when we come as worshipers, often we can come very distracted with everything else that is going on during this time. We come because we know it's important and we are committed to being here, but perhaps our attention can be divided and we are not here to necessarily lean in and listen but just to get, get it over with so we can get on with the next thing on our very full schedule during this time. And so I ask you, what did you come expecting to hear this morning? What did you hope to hear this morning? And better yet, what might God be saying to you this morning? Did you hear? Are you listening? When does our listening become pondering? Perhaps you did come to listen this morning and you have heard something that has left you confused, bewildered, curious, hopeful. Imagine Mary, only a few hours postpartum, being visited by shepherds of all people who were invited by an angel 
perhaps the same angel that told Mary that she would be birthing the Savior of the world. Mary took all these things, these, these, um, the things that she'd heard people say, the things that she had observed, and it says that she gathered all these experiences and pondered them. She didn't run to a conclusion about what it might mean for her. She didn't dismiss them as meaningless and unrelated, but she gathered them, not understanding fully at the time and realizing that there would be more to come to the story. As I look over the past year of my own life and the life of my family, I've been left with much to ponder. In less than a year, my family of origin went from six people to four people. I lost my brother to cancer just a little over a year ago, and my mom to multiple myeloma just a couple of months ago. There's also been disruption and change in my relationships with my sisters over the last year, and I'm finding myself talking to my dad more than I ever did because my mom was the extrovert and she filled in all the empty spaces with her voice, leaving very little opportunity to talk to my dad. Glenn and I, my husband and I, are empty nesters now and uh, with Cam, our last off to college. Um, there's much, so there's a lot of change in our lives. There's much to treasure over this last year. I treasure the final few weeks of my brother Bob's life as I helped his wife care for him at home. I treasure the extra month that God gave us with my mom so that we could be together, have many special moments, and we could help my dad care for her. And I treasure our kids as I see them launching as adults into the world, making good decisions and having fun doing it. But there's much to ponder for me as well. I don't understand how so much could happen in a year. I don't understand why grief and loss seems to be the theme of my life right now. I'm invited to ponder this, to sit in the place of unknowing before God and learn that Jesus is sure and certain even when all around is shifting sand. I know many of you have stories very similar to this. Maybe your sense of pondering has gone on longer than a year. Um, many of us go lifetime with things happening and not understanding. Things don't make sense. But today, I want to encourage you to be like Mary, who treasured the things that were happening around her, even though she didn't understand, and pondered them, knowing that there was more to the story than she knew. We wait during Christmas. We wait for Christmas. Advent is waiting. And that's a lot about, a lot of what pondering is, sitting in that unknowing, waiting waiting for God, waiting for peace, and for hope. Did you hear something today that relates to another experience that you have had recently? 
Are you hearing echoes this morning of something that God has said to you in a different context? Do you need to take time pondering how these recurring events might fit together and what they might mean? Can you spend time prayerfully journaling through it or invite a trusted friend to process these things with you? What is God stirring in your heart this morning as you lean in to his voice? And finally, pondering becomes worship. When we ponder, we sit in a place of wonder, acknowledging that we know in part and that there is more to the story than our human minds can comprehend. Pondering is an act of discipleship. And pondering leads us to worship. When we worship, we give credit to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We acknowledge that nothing we do earns us life. We acknowledge that there is a story deeper, wider, greater than the story we see with our eyes. And in our acknowledgement, we lean in to listen to the King that was born in a small town to humble parents and visited by humble shepherds because we know that in his kingdom there is a place for everyone. And in hearing his voice and responding, we can invite others with our lives and with our words. We can invite others into the kingdom as well. Let's pray together. Gracious God, I thank you that you speak to us over and over again. God, I pray that in our hearing this morning, we might pay attention to what you want to say to us. God, help us not just hurry on to the next thing today. But help us, Lord, to listen, to be attentive, to process, to ponder. God, we know you are God and we are not. And so we entrust our lives into your hands. Not because we understand everything, but because we know that you are sure and you are certain. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen.